Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. And go ahead and take a seat. Hey, my name's Josh. Um, I am happy to be here with you this morning. Um, I'm the student pastor here um, at River Valley, and yeah, grateful that every once in a while Cody will give me the opportunity to get up and uh, talk to you guys and kind of say hi, and um, you get to see what I do on Wednesday nights normally, so uh, it's not any different. Um, It's the same, I mean, I see some of my students out in the audience, and you guys know that I don't talk to you all any different up here on stage than I do over there on a Wednesday, so um, super excited about that. So, if you don't know, I have a three, almost four-month-old daughter. Um, Her name is Renly Bell. Um, Renly is her first name, Bell is her middle name. Um, But everybody calls her Renly Bell, even though we've told everybody, no, it's just Renly. You can call her Renly or Ren, right? Um, But everybody insists on Renly Bell. Um, But we noticed Renly the other day. Um, So, I like this show Alone. Does anybody watch Alone? Y'all know what I'm talking about on History Channel? Um, That's for my survivalists out in the audience who know uh, what I'm talking about. If you ever get lost out in the woods, you want to watch Alone, um, just in case, you know, there's a plane wreck or a boat wreck or something like that, you get caught on a deserted island, Alone's going to help you out. Um, So I'm watching Alone, and uh, they had, like, I don't know, killed a beaver or something. Um, And so we were watching the TV, and this guy's, like, preparing the meat from this beaver and all this kind of stuff. And I'm rocking Renly to get her to go back to sleep for a nap. And I notice her head just like, no matter what I do, it just keeps turning towards the TV, right? Um, Just no matter what, it's like I I turn this way to turn her head and she just swivels, right? And same thing, I turn it back this way and head swivels. Like she's getting to that point now, she's got good head control and I'm noticing because she loves alone. Um, I don't think she actually likes alone, she just likes the pretty colors that are on the TV, right? Um, And if any of you know, babies that young are not supposed to have screen time right? Like, it's just not, like, they're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to look at a screen for that long. Um, It's just not good for the brain development. Like, there's a lot socially that's wrong with that. Um, And so, I have that knowledge, right? And so, I'm like, Rinley, don't look at the TV. Um, But weirdly enough, a a three-month-old doesn't understand English yet, so um, she doesn't listen whenever I tell her that, right? And she doesn't have the knowledge herself in order to do that. So what do I do as a good dad? Um, I go set her down and I watch alone by myself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) uh, No, I turn the TV off, right? Because I have the knowledge that she doesn't need to be looking at the screen. Um, And I think that that's true. And sometimes we do that in our Christian lives. But I think even more than that, for most of us, um, if you would call yourself a Christian, if you're not a Christian in here, I would say, hey, look, great weekend for you to be here. You get to hear a little bit about what it means to be a Christian, how we're supposed to live the Christian life. But if you are a Christian, I would say our biggest problem as Christians is not that we don't know enough. We have all the knowledge with very little of the application. Um, And I see this within my own life um, because of this thing. Can you throw that first picture up on the screen? Um, Anybody anybody see this anytime? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can set a limit on your phone for how long you look at it. Yeah? Anybody do that? 
Um, the only bad part about this is on an iPhone, you see that little blue part underneath it that says ignore limit? Yeah, that's me. I'm an ignore the limit guy, right? So, like I said, I'm like, I'm only looking at, like, my phone for maybe an hour today, right? And then the hour comes up, and all of a sudden, I'm like, ignore limit. And it just, like, you can keep looking at your phone. Like, it doesn't have to stop. Like, you just keep going to the fun. And I know that as much as screen time is not good for Renly, it's also not good for me. I have that knowledge. I've done it for my daughter. I turn the TV off, right? But whenever it comes to putting my phone down, putting it away— not spending time on that, playing stupid games on Facebook, right? What do I do? I just ignore the limit. I just do that. And what's true is we do this within our own lives. We have the knowledge to do this, but we don't actually do what's best for us. And so what we're going to talk about today is how do we do this? Like, what does it look like to actually have the knowledge but then actually see how do I live that out in my life? What does it look like? Um, And so we're going to go to a passage in James. So we'll be in James chapter 1, uh, verses 22 through 27 today. Um, But James gives us practical wisdom on what it looks like to live as a Christian in the world. It's going to give us practical wisdom. And this, I believe, if we'll actually take it, we'll actually apply it to our lives We'll see real change within us and change in the people around us if we'll actually do this. So, this is what he says, starting in verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, I I think that um, there's a portion before this that he talks about let the word come in and you actually grasp onto the word that has been implanted within you. But then he goes on to say, but don't just hear it. Don't just take the word and just like let it sit there. See, this is what we do a lot in churches, right? You might come in here on a Sunday, you might go to a community group another night of the week, and there's a lot of content consumption. There's a lot of knowledge implantation and maybe even some agreement that exists in there, right? Like, I've got this knowledge and I agree with what you're saying from the stage, but there's not a whole lot of doing. I know this is my own problem as well. Um, I I struggle with the doing aspect, right? I come in here, I feel really good after listening to someone come up here on a stage and talk. And then I leave and I'm wondering whether we're going to go eat Mexican food or barbecue, right? That's just what's true. Like, we feel really good coming into this place, but I think that God would want us to say, no, 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 it's not just about the knowledge, but you actually have to do it. You have to change things. You have to move in a different direction. And there's this word for this. Um, A lot of us, we call ourselves Christians. Um, But the idea of being, of saying you're a Christian, but not actually living it out um, is this thing. I I found this word. I've only been kind of hearing this over the last couple of years, but it's called nominal Christianity. Um, Nominal meaning in name only, right? Like you call yourself a Christian, but you don't actually live out the things that it says within the Bible. 
And maybe you know people like this. Maybe it's not you, right? But it's a person down the street who would call themselves a Christian. It's, it's oh, my, my relative that I, I really don't see eye to eye with. They call themselves a Christian, but they don't really live it out. And I think if that's true of them, it's also true of each one of us. It'd be really easy to put someone off and say, all those bad people over there, right? But see, when we do that, we fall victim to exactly what James is talking about here. That, oh, that's their problem. I've got all the knowledge, but we're not really doing it either, right? And so nominal Christianity misrepresents Jesus. Nominal Christianity misrepresents Jesus because it's, it's just, I'm a Christian, and then I define what that means. When the reality of Christianity is Christ is the center of all of it. That I follow him and I do what he tells me to. And that I just don't hear it. I don't come in here on a Sunday. I don't go to a Bible study. But I actually let it change every part of me. Um, I let it change what I do. Um, so if you know me, um, you know that I love this. Um, you may not know what this is. This is a Frisbee golf disc. Disc golf for those who are in the know, right? So this is a disc golf disc. And some of you are going, Josh, why did you bring that on stage? Um, because when I first started playing this game, what I did, it was in the middle of COVID, and I got on YouTube because there was no sports on TV, right? And I went and watched, and there's this awesome thing called Joe Mez Pro. Uh, if you don't know about it, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little nerdy, but um, Joe Mez Pro. And so I watched uh, disc golf tournaments on YouTube. I know, again, nerdy, um, but disc golf tournaments on Joe Mez Pro, and I realized I love watching this sport. I also love playing this sport. So what did I do? I do what every responsible millennial does. I go on YouTube and I figure out how to do it, right? Um, so I go on YouTube and I'm figuring out how to throw this, because if you've ever thrown this thing, it does not fly the same as a regular Frisbee. Um, it does lots of funky things that you've got to try and figure out um, how it goes. And they start talking about words like Anheuser, Heiser, all this kind of stuff. Again, nerdy. Um, but I go, okay, well, I'm going to figure all this out, right? And so I go on YouTube. I get all the lingo down. I get all the knowledge. I start to plug it all in. And then I go out into the field, and I actually throw it, trying to do the things that it's telling you on YouTube. And this bad boy just keeps going, woo, woo, like not doing exactly what I want it to. It's not doing the things that you two said it was going to do, right? Like, I have all of the knowledge, but none of the real-life skills that are actually applying this knowledge to life, right? And I think that's so many of us, that we have all of the knowledge, but I haven't practiced this enough out in the field to figure out how does this actually make sense in the world. This is what James says in the next portion in verse 23. He says, Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Um, anybody ever swipe right on Instagram? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So if you're on your main page on Instagram, you swipe right on Instagram, all of a sudden it's a camera. Um, and if you're looking down at it, 
um, you get this like, well, I, I don't know about you, but for me, if I haven't shaved in like three, three days, I got like this sick neck beard that exists, like, like this dude, right? So like this is what I look like on Instagram after three days of not shaving, right? And it's like, I should lose like 10 pounds and like I need to shave real bad because if you don't know, I can't grow a beard. It just gets real nasty right in here. Um, and so for me, this is the modern equivalent of looking in the mirror, right? It's like you flip, you swipe to the right on Instagram, it pops up and all of a sudden you're looking at yourself going, I look rough. Like, this is bad. This isn't good, right? Like, this is a real picture of who I am, and I don't like it. So what's, what do I do? I cancel out of that bad boy as fast as I can, right? I, like, swipe up on, uh, on the app so that it goes away, so that I forget what I just saw. And I think that's so many of us in our Christian lives, right, is that as we read the Bible, as we gain this knowledge, we don't like what we see, and so instead of actually doing something about it, we swipe away. We say, I'm gonna, I'd rather just go think about barbecue for a little bit, right? Maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe there actually is some knowledge that you want to latch onto, but you've just forgotten what the image looked like. You forgot what the Bible told you about yourself. You don't let it sit. You don't let it rest in you. I think um, for us to really grasp this, um, I remember somebody explaining this to me, and it's that faith is knowledge that leads to intentions, which leads to action. Faith is knowledge that leads to intention, that leads to actions. See, I, I get this passage of Scripture, and I, I learn what it's really saying, that I get this knowledge that's implanted into my head, and then it goes from my head to my heart, that I actually agree with it, and it moves from my heart to my feet so that I actually live this out. And this is what we're called to do as Christians. What James is saying here is, look, you've got a lot of knowledge. You've gained this. You've grasped it. It's been implanted into you. And it's actually starting to change some of your hearts. But don't let it stay there. Don't let it stay with just the knowledge about what's happening. This is what he says in verse 25. It says, in the same way, oh, sorry, wrong 25, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom perseveres in it, and it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. See what it says there, looks intently, that I see it, I have the knowledge but I'm actually sitting in it, I'm evaluating, I'm looking at my life, and I'm saying, I'm letting this sink deeper into me than just a head knowledge. I'm starting to agree with this. But it's, it's more than that, that I'm not a forgetful hearer, but I'm actually a doer of these works. And it, it says something in there that they look intently at the perfect law of freedom. Well, what is that perfect law? Well, for James, that would have meant the entirety of the Old Testament, right? Specifically the first five books, the Torah. Now, if you go through Leviticus and you start looking at Leviticus, some of you are going to be like, that whole thing, right? Like, there's some parts of Leviticus that are hard to read. Like, it reads like a law book, right? It's just being honest. There's a lot of good in Leviticus, 
But sometimes it's hard to wade through that. And so how do I look at this entire perfect law that exists? Well, Jesus says this in Matthew 22. He says, teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Then Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So if you were to sum up all of the law and prophets, you can sum it up in those two, those two things. I need to love people. I need to love God and love people. I need to love God and I need to love people. And what James is saying here is whenever you do that, whenever you're loving God and loving people, that it's going to bring about freedom and blessing. That there's freedom and blessing that is a part of loving God and loving other people. And the reason why he says that in freedom is that we get the freedom from our own selfishness. What we don't realize is when we are so knowledge-based, we get stuck in our own heads. We get stuck in what we think. We get so wrapped up in what I'm doing that I don't realize that God's got a bigger picture for the world. I don't realize that there's something bigger going on than what's happening right here in this moment. That all of a sudden my trials that are happening, I become wrapped up in them. I become so consumed with them because I'm all about the knowledge within my own head. And I'm not actually living this out and realizing, no, God has more for me than this. And we get, when we start to live out our faith, we get freedom from that, that selfishness. We get freedom from being self, self. The other one is blessing. Um, God provides what we need. That's not always easy, right? Um, because it, it doesn't mean that God provides what you want. Um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm going to. Um, last night was hard for me and my family. Um, reason why is because um, we live in Texas, and our air conditioner went out last night. Um, oh, I, yeah, that was a gasp, a literal gasp in the audience when I said that last night. I just told you I had a three, uh, three to four-month-old, right? So not only is our, our night long because of that, but it's also long because um, our air conditioner went out. Um, that makes for a long night. Um, God's got more going on with our air conditioner going out, right? It's not the end of the world. There are babies all over this world who don't have air conditioning. It's just what's true. And I can get so stuck inside my own head. I can get so stuck in, am I being like, I'm so miserable laying down at 2 o'clock in the morning whenever it's like still 85 degrees in my house, Right? And it's not fun. It's not good. But God will provide what I need. He does provide his blessing, which means that even this is plan A. Even this portion is what he wants for me. Even my air conditioning going out yesterday and us having to sleep in the hot is plan A. And that's hard for us to grasp onto, but I have a bigger vision of what God wants to do within my own life that I say, okay, I'm going to trust that this is a part of the plan too. 
right? And he's going to provide what I need when I need it. That doesn't mean that I get air conditioning all the time. It doesn't mean that I'm going to have all the money in exactly the right places that I think I need to have when I need it. It doesn't mean that even though I raise my kids in church, that they're going to be in church as adults. It doesn't mean that everything works out perfectly and I make it in for some of you students who are going off to college. It doesn't mean I get in the same college that I wanted to go to. It doesn't mean that relationship works out. It doesn't mean that everything is rainbows and sunshine. But God will provide what you need whenever you follow him and do what he tells you to do. There is freedom and blessing when we're loving God and loving others. It says in verse 26, If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Um, I think that this may be, I think what James is doing here is he's giving you a real-world application here, right? Um, I think if we would take just this one little piece out of this portion of what I'm telling you today, um, our world would be very different. Um, if someone, I do this, so I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, you're terrible people, right? Like, I do this. If we would check ourselves before we post something on Facebook about whatever we think is the right thing to say. If I would take a step back and go, man, that's, I don't know how that's loving God in this instance. I don't know how that's loving other people in this instance by saying that thing, by not controlling my tongue, by taking a step back and letting it sit and go, man, I, can I just take a second? Can I not react to the moment? Can I control my tongue? Man, I think it would change the world. Actually, I know it would. I got a, a friend. He's, I'm going to visit my best friend. Uh, today, actually tomorrow, um, in Baton Rouge, and his younger brother, um, I love him, and I grew up with him, um, but he's, he's not a Christian, um, he would tell you that, and I've had numerous conversations with him, and he knows that the Bible has wisdom, and he knows that there's good things for him in the Bible, and he knows that if people actually live that way, that he may be a little more open to believing in Jesus too. But he's seen so much of people who aren't able to control them, their, people who aren't able to control their tongues within the church that he said, no, nah, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Now, that's on him. That's not on everybody else. But I think for each one of us, if we could say, no, <laughs> I have a role to play in this. The words that come out of my mouth, the way that I function in my life, what I do actually matters in other people's lives. I think it would change the world around us. And what's true is knowledge and intentions without actions, they're worthless. I can have all the knowledge in my head. I can know all the right things about God. I can even believe it in my heart. But if I don't live that out, if I don't do those things, 
if I don't let it affect my parenting with my daughter, if I don't let it change the way I look at my money and I start to hold on to it and white-knuckle it, if you don't know what white-knuckle it is, it's, it means that I take it and I grasp it because it's mine, and your knuckles become white. If I am so about what I want and what's happening in this world that I take it and I grab it for myself instead of being open-handed to what God would want for me. I think the world sees a very different picture than the servant that is Jesus and how he came. So how do we change that? Um, I think you got to look at two different things. One, you, you got to ask two questions. Um, how do my actions honor God? How's what I'm doing in this moment honoring what God has told me to do? And then, how are my actions honoring other people? How are the words that are coming out of my mouth, how are they actually changing the situation around me? Is it for the better? Do you see people who are wanting to love Jesus more and come to Jesus more? Or is it in anger? Is it you don't feel good about this situation, so you feel like you need to say something? I got I, I to gotta, I gotta let my opinion be known. Why? Why is that? Why is the most important thing that needs to be said in this moment what you think about this situation? Instead of offering the same love and peace and grace that Jesus offers each one of us. Now, I'm not saying don't speak truth. Absolutely speak truth. But you can do it in a way that's loving. You can bring truth into a situation that is hard and it still be loving to that other person, even if it's what they don't necessarily want to hear in that moment. Instead of this, instead of not being able to control our tongues, instead of our own selfishness coming out, if instead, James tells us what pure religion looks like. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Um, first part, orphans and widows. Um, within the society, orphans and widows would have been um, the people who can't take care of themselves, right? It's the people who, they can't do anything to get out of this situation, like they're stuck, right? And I'm going to take care of them knowing they're not going to be able to repay me knowing there's nothing that's going to happen on the backside of this that I'm going to get repayment for this. So it's a complete unselfishness to give to these people. It's to say, you know what, I'm going to do this because God has been good to me, and I get nothing in return, and that's okay. And then the second part, um, the stain of this world, to be unstained by this world, um, as I live in the world longer, now granted, I'm only 35 years old, so um, I realize some of you have more experience than me. But being unstained from the world probably looks a little bit more about that selfishness piece that we were talking about than we realize. I don't know that it's so much that we participate in all the bad things, right? Like, people will say, oh, well, I don't, 
I don't drink, I don't smoke, um, I don't dip, I don't whatever, right? I, I don't do all these bad things. I don't go to those bad places. I don't, I don't participate in that, right? And they bring out this long list of things that I don't do. But yet, they don't have a list of what they do do, right? The things that I actually participate in. And I think the stain looks a lot more about my life is about me, not about God and what he wants to do, not about other people and how God wants to affect their lives. If we're evaluating how we live in this world, I mean, I I think if you were to go, okay, this decision I made, was it about God and loving other people? Was it what God wants to do in this world, or is it about me and what I want? And so much of my life, as I start to evaluate, is, man, this decision really was about me. I made this based on what I thought. And I think instead, if we would love God and love other people, and actually not just say we're a Christian, but actually be a Christian, I think that's what we would do. So don't call yourself a Christian. Be a Christian. Don't say, no, I'm a Christian. Just show other people what that looks like. Now, first, you have to have the knowledge, right? You have to read your Bible. You have to actually know what it says. Otherwise, like, you're just acting, right? So you actually have to read your Bible. Some of you, that is a practical application for what you are doing today. You need to go home. You need to read your Bibles. You need to figure out what being a Christian means, Some of you have been around church and you're in that mode and you've been reading your Bible for a really long time. But let's be honest, your finances got nothing to do with God. How you parent your kid has a lot more to do with what what to expect says than it does about what Jesus says in the Bible. The way that you talk to people has a lot more about what your opinions are than it does about what God says about you and about them. If we would change that, guys. If we would let it change us. And we would actually start to live out what the Bible says. I think it would change everything about who we are and what we do. And um, If you don't know how to do this, I'll just give you a simple Um, place to land on this. Start to evaluate those actions. Start to look at them. Start to go through your calendar, go through your organization, go through your plan for your day, and go, okay, why am I doing these things? What does this have to do with the mission that God has put me on? When I make decisions for my kids, when I make decisions for life, is this what God called me to? Or is this just what I want to do? So, that would be my challenge to you, to do that evaluation. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that we'd be doers of your word. God, I pray that your word wouldn't come back void in our lives that we'd be changed by you. Not just in knowledge, not just in intentions, God, but we would actually live out what you want for our lives. God, I believe if we do that, it would change everything in this world. 
God, what you're doing right now is plan A. As hard as it might be, as difficult as some situations might be, God, we trust you and we want to move forward because we know that you bring blessing in the midst of the hard times. You provide for us even when we don't see how. God, you are going to move in our lives if we'll just trust you. God, I pray that we'd be about loving you first and that through our love for you, that we would have love for those around us, that we would learn what it means to control our tongues. But God, that everything that we're about, that our knowledge would lead into intention, which leads us into actions. God, we love you. In your wonderful and mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.